You're listening to What the History, a podcast where two nerds talk about some awesome, crazy, random stuff you probably don't remember learning about, but you're going to now. Hey, nerds. Welcome back for another episode of What the History with Sarah and Casey. Um, We are going to talk this week about the Radium Girls, which sounds kind of like superheroes. Maybe is. It's, I don't know. It's really awful. Yeah. But like good awful. But like it, it's like a very bad thing that had good like outcomes because it led to good things. Yeah, for sure. And I think um this is probably the best time and I'll do another one later on in the episode, but like definitely trigger warnings oh, for yeah. just like body everything horror. gross yeah it's super like i'm actually even debating like what pictures i should put on the posts because yeah they're probably nothing horrifying crazy. but like also i feel like you have to see a picture to really understand the the gravity of the situation so yeah we'll just but, put them like at the end of the carousel or something yeah i'm definitely gonna be like warning <laughs> the next slide is extremely right. graphic like if you can't Please handle it well because you yeah. know sometimes it automatically goes to like the second picture yes on instagram so we'll just make mm-hmm. sure it's at the end but yeah, yeah. i'll probably put it after the quote horror. yeah yeah it's um, um but anyway also something that took place in jersey <laughs> We don't get a lot of things, but we get radiation poisoning, so. Yeah, fun. And also, like, shout out to our former girl, Marie Curie, who discovered radium. Side note that I went to look up, I was like, how long after that was this, right? I couldn't remember the the years Marie Curie was working. And I did Google when was radium invented, and Google was like, do you mean when was radium discovered? And I was like, I don't know. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I did was I literally Googled (laughs) what's the name of the measurement for radium. And then I was like, it's the fucking Curie. Like, I literally remember us talking about that (laughs) in that episode. I was like, oh, my God. How did I forget that? But yeah, it's fine. All right. I'm just like, when did she invent this element? Because that's how elements work. Yeah. Don't worry about it. I literally the second I saw it, I was like, radium is measured in Curies. I was like, fuck, of course it is. I told people that. Right. (laughs) Uh, the answer is she discovered it in 1898 and we're going to start out at about 1914 yes correct so not quite 20 years since then yeah so i will start out i'm going to talk a little bit about the united states radium corporation so it was a company founded in 1914 in new york city it was founded by dr sabine arnold von sochaki so chalky i didn't even try and pretend it's so a chokey sir chalky the chokey right i mean it looks like such a such yeah uh, sabine it's, it's matilda's chokey yes that one and also george willis who i appreciate for having a normal name that i know how to say not normal i didn't yeah. mean normal don't cancel me um but when it was founded it was called <laughs> when it was founded it was called i feel radium- like we've been canceled already <laughs> yeah probably i didn't mean it it was founded as the radium luminous material corporation and initially it produced uranium um from ore and then eventually moved into producing radioluminescent paint and then the application of that paint. So that's kind of what they're working with. And they do really well. They start opening a bunch of facilities in Newark, Newark, 
nope, Newark. Newark. I don't know. It sounds Newark, like I'm yeah. trying to say New York and I can't, but I know it's Newark. Anyway, <laughs> there. When I was a kid, I used to like confuse New York and Newark because yeah. they sound so fucking similar. And it's really important to know the difference if you're taking right. NJ Transit trains. Or a plane. Which I did frequently in high school. Yeah. Or a oh, plane. Yeah. Or a plane. Because I remember the first time I went to New York City, we flew into Newark. And I was like, why mm-hmm. are we going to New Jersey? I don't understand. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, but anyway, so there was one there. There was one in Jersey City and then Orange. And so in August of 1921, our friend Sachaki was actually forced out of the presidency. So he goes away. The company because of his gets, stupid name. Yep. The company gets renamed to the United States Radium Corporation. They kind of start picking up in business when um, the the First World War happens, right? They do a lot of work as a defense supplier making radioluminescent watches for the military. Um, So they start extracting and purifying all this radium. The paints are actually marketed under the brand name Undark, which is fun. It feels like, I guess, the lamest fucking name that you could come up with for something that glows in the dark i feel like right exactly so they kind of have like two things going they do a lot of defense supplying for these watches for the military and then they have this line called undark the paint is a mix of radium and zinc sulfide and basically the radiation causes that sulfide to fluoresce so to be undark lol (laughs) in addition to the watches the war also causes a demand for things like dials and aircraft instruments to get painted with this paint so that they can operate, you know, in war zones in the dark. But the painting of things like watches and gauge faces, it's a really delicate task. So it's mostly being done by young women. And part of the process is that they needed to keep a very fine tip on their paintbrushes. And so they were taught and instructed to lick the paintbrush, which is something like we all probably did as a kid, you know, using watercolor or whatever to just keep the tip sharp. They would mm-hmm. lick the paintbrush at the time. Yeah, and I think it said that the wash faces could be as small as like 3.5 Yeah, it's like very delicate. Really, really tiny. Big, fragile work. So they need it to be a really sharp point. Mm-hmm. They're probably licking it after every use. So at the time, the Ugh. plant in Orange, New Jersey had about 300 workers who were mainly women whose job was just to paint these watch faces and these different instruments. And they were all told upon being hired that this was safe to do. So they're just in there like making their money painting away. Mm -hmm. Um, The management team and the scientists, so basically everyone that wasn't like a plebe worker, had a bunch of precautions. Like they would wear masks and gloves and have up plexiglass screens like they were living in COVID times. And they had all these things, but the workers didn't get any of that. And they were like, oh, no, no. You guys are safe. We're just going to wear the gloves, though. And you're consuming it, so... Right. But you guys are fine. I actually need the gloves. Yeah. And so, of course, you know, unbeknownst to the women at the time, arguably beknownst to the, like, executives and managers, mm-hmm. we'll get into it, but more notes to them... <laughs> Um, the, the paint is really highly radioactive and therefore it's carcinogenic. So they're sitting there licking paintbrushes covered in radium and all sorts of toxins all day long in order to make this United States Radium Corporation money and um, supply the military with shiny things. Yeah. And so that is where I will hand it to Casey. Yeah. So, um... The corporation is like one of the firms that kind of comes up. I think we actually kind of touched on this on the Marie Curie episode. Um, 
Marie and Pierre wanted this element to be accessible to everybody because they felt like it could really do a lot of good. And so that's yeah, why- they refused to patent it. Correct. Exactly. And so that's why a lot of these firms, once they were able to, I guess, harvest radium, is that what we would yeah, say? Yeah. I mean, I think extract is the word I saw. Extract. Use, but yeah. Same yeah. thing. So once they were able to like extract the radium, they were able to use it more frequently which is like what Sarah was saying for like wash faces and things like that. So the issue begins with the type, first of all, like the people who are doing these jobs. So one of the things that I saw when I was researching was that dial painting was considered to be like the elite job, quote unquote, for the poor mm. working girls, because it typically paid yeah, like it was like sought after. More. Yeah. And it was something that like yeah. you were considered to be lucky to get this job and if you yeah got this i feel job, like it's the equivalent of like if you're a, a service worker now like you want to work at starbucks because starbucks mm-hmm. has a much higher minimum payment and better benefits compared to working at other restaurants even though mm-hmm. it's service work like right it's kind of exactly bad. yeah and it also was um something that was kind of considered to be like, I don't want to say like popular in terms of, I mean, it was popular because you made, I guess, more money, but it was also popular because you were able to like recruit other people to work with you. So like a lot Mm -hmm. of times these young girls were like teenagers, you know, maybe 18, 19 years old, and they were able to like get more financial freedom in a time when they really didn't have it. And a lot of the girls who were working would like recruit other people. So I'd be like, oh, Sarah, I've got this great job painting dial you know watches like you should come join me at the studio it was seen as helping the war effort too right like a lot of it's for the military so it was very much like this is what you can do for the soldiers who like a lot of the time husbands or brothers or fathers were off at war and so it was your part of the war effort was you could go paint these dials yeah exactly and actually um i know you'll bring up grace fryer but i'll talk about her in a little bit too Mm -hmm. but yeah that was one of the reasons why she started working specifically for the company yeah um so basically there were all of these young women working there and then they would tell their friends and family so you have a lot of them working in close-knit groups in the factories and the other part of like the allure of this job was actually the luminosity caused by the radium itself which i thought was really interesting so the women actually would become known as like quote unquote the ghost girls which is heartbreaking once you like hear the rest of the story but like in the time it was considered to be like kind of cool because they would physically glow in the dark after their shifts and so they took advantage if you of didn't that know that was bad for you you'd be like fuck yeah well yeah and they so they would like go to dance halls right after their shift and they'd wear their best dresses to work and like some of the radium would yeah. go on their dresses and it would be on their teeth and like they'd smile and like light up the room but like i have to be honest and i'm i didn't yeah. want to like be judgy towards victims but i was like how is that like if i saw somebody at the club like across the room and they just like smiled at me and their teeth are like i mean like i would imagine it's like neon green right yeah but i guess if it was associated with this like oh they work at the factory and they're like yeah. having this job i mean to me That's i'm true. like if i started glowing i would feel like something was wrong but right. I guess it was long enough ago that they were just like, oh, cool. Yeah. And that's the other thing, too, is like radium itself was not. Well, I'll get into it in a little while. But yeah. like it wasn't publicly seen as dangerous. Yeah. And there was is... like conflicting reports. There was things mm-hmm. that said exposure isn't good, but it actually has benefits when used internally. Yes. So it was kind of like licking it's fine which makes no fucking sense like oh no. i can't look at it or touch it but i can eat it like the, right <laughs> the, 
That's not something like that doesn't add up. So the girls, like you said, they were taught the technique lip dip paint. So they would stick their paintbrushes between their lips and sometimes in between their teeth, like you said, making the lip pointing. Mm -hmm. And so they continuously swallowed this like hundreds of times in a day. And the... um. Oh, what was I going to say? The quota, like how many watches they painted was basically how they got paid. So you wanted to have as many done mm-hmm. as possible. Um, So this is like I wanted where I wanted to introduce the, one of the main victims, Grace Fryer. So Grace was 18 when she started working uh, for the company in 1917. And this is where that World War One kind of thing comes into play. And basically, I think she had like several brothers and all of them were able to go fight. And so she felt that having the responsibility of creating uh, the different machinery and watch faces used during the war was like contributing in some way to the war effort. So one of the women who trained Grace later recalled in interviews that she and Grace and the other girls had always asked is this safe? There was never any like, okay, I'm just going to blindly trust that this is safe and not like ask my employer. I am going to actively check to make sure. Um, She's quoted as saying, quote, naturally, you don't want to put anything in your mouth that's going to hurt you. Mr. Savoy, the manager, said that it wasn't dangerous so that we didn't need to be afraid, quote. So like, obviously, that's not going to be true. But this is where it gets kind of weird is that like, I never realized the extent to which they were lied to because there's kind of like two hands in this. First off, there was radium in like everything. There was a miracle cure and tonic and you could find it in butter and milk and cosmetics and toothpaste. And it was like supposedly this thing, like you said, that like you can't be exposed to it, but you can ingest it, which doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, And it claimed that you could add years to your life by consuming it. But then on the other hand, well, that's what's weird because then on the other hand, like you said, the men in the same factories that these women were working in handled the pure radium in aprons and like gloves and like tongs so like they must have known in an extent that it was dangerous but then at the exact same time the belief that radium was perfectly safe was based upon research that was being done by the radium firms themselves so like the united states radium corporation was the one that was funding these like research campaigns that basically like ignored any and all danger signs Uh, To the point where the managers would basically smile and tell the girls, like, don't worry, that substance is going to put roses in your cheeks. Like, it's fucked up. And if by roses they mean tumors, then they're not lying because it's just fucking (laughs) awful. I'm so sorry. (laughs) That's like a terrible (laughs) joke to make. But like, the whole time I was reading and and taking notes, I was like, this is terrible. So, yeah. Um, I don't know if you want to take a second to look at the actual corporate, not the corporation, the, um, what was it called? The radium dial company. The radium dial. Yeah. Yeah. So this is actually an interesting kind of parallel that's happening around the same time. So there's a completely different company called the radium dial company. Um, they're operating out of Illinois and they start in 1922. They actually work out of the town's former high school. And so they opened this studio to same thing, paint dials for clocks. Um, They weren't working for the military. They were working for more commercial clockmakers. So actually dials that they painted in this studio appeared on like Big Ben and Little Ben. um, And then other less famous, famous clocks, right? So they do a lot of these big kind of town clocks. I don't think I could name any famous clocks. Me either. Big Ben's not even, that's not even the clock, right? I don't know. It says it appears on Big Ben. No, no, I'm saying I think that's the name of the fucking bell. Maybe. You know what I, don't, I mean. No, I know, but I just, <laughs> I'm thinking, like, 
You said like not so famous, famous clocks. I don't think I can think oh, yeah. of any fucking clocks that are famous other than no, Big Ben. And I, I don't even can. think that's the clock. Yeah, I don't know. Like, should I know more Either way, about they clocks? did the same thing. <laughs> like, should I we'll have a, a better understanding history of clocks? That sounds like the way we would end the podcast is people would just immediately stop fucking listening. <laughs> the finale. Like, yeah. Wow, they've really gone downhill yeah. since 2020. <laughs> yeah, they're out of shit. Oh my God. Sorry. I, I don't know, but they're not helping the war effort is the point. They're just making like travel clocks. Um, but they're doing the same thing. So they're hiring young women to paint these dials. They're instructed with the lip dip paint approach by both this plant. And then there's like an affiliated one in Connecticut for the radium dial company, and they're doing the same thing. At their highest point of production, which was around 1925, um, the radium dial company employed about 1,000 young women who turned out about 4,300 dials each day. Um, so that's, so what, that's 430? Oh, fuck. How do we always no, end up I think having it's, to math? I think it's 4.3. No, no, no. So there's a th- so there's 4,300. Four, 4, yeah. Divided by a thousand. Yeah, it's 4.3. You're right, it's 4.3. Yeah. So So they each did 4.3 clocks a day? That's what it sounds like. It's not a lot. So it's, I I mean, mean, it's like that that very delicate whatever. Well, that's funny because they did refer to it as studios too. Yeah. Maybe to make it like sound fancier, but actually. But they have, so basically three times the amount of women, right? Because we had about 300 at the United States Radium Corporation. So they have a much larger base. Mm-hmm. They have a couple incidents where their president gets fired too, and he opens up a competing firm in the same town called the Luminous Process Company, which again does the same thing. So there's now these two other companies operating in the exact same mode. And in 1926 and 27, like we'll talk about with the Radium Girls, their workers start showing signs of radium poisoning. Mm-hmm. They have no clue this is happening in New Jersey. Right. So they there's not like Twitter at the time, right? They don't know other people are going through this. They don't know about the litigation that's going to follow. And Radium Dial is actually like, they're authorizing physicals and tests and things like that, specifically to determine how toxic the radium paint is to their employees. Right. But they never give the records to the employees or disclose the results. So they're like very aware over in Illinois what's going on. Like even more fucked up. Is yeah. That, like right before the shit starts getting really bad, they are doing all of these tests and they're literally suppressing information from other places. Yeah, they're not even pretending like, well, we didn't know it was bad. They're studying the effects on their employees. Right. Yeah. Well, and- that's the other thing too is like no one had ever rightfully been able to study the effects of ingesting fucking radioactive material. Right. You can't do like a controlled study on that. Right. Um, they do try at one point, this company, to to use the end of or to stop using the end of the brushes and to use glass pens that okay. can be like wiped in a different way. But oh, so they, they didn't have to like eat it. Yeah, they didn't have to okay. use their mouth. Right. Right. Um, because the brush, the reason they have to do that is it bristles out and you have to like reform it. But the yeah. glass tip always stayed shapely. So you didn't have to lick it. But the workers found that it slowed their productivity. And like we said, they're being paid by the piece. Mm -hmm. So the fact that it made them go slower made them make less money. And they actually decided to revert to using brushes. So the workers themselves, which again, they aren't being told, well, if you use the brush, that's bad for you. Like if that's not some capitalist fucking manipulation. Oh, for sure. 
because like if it was just like hourly, right, it wouldn't make a fucking difference how many watches you make. But now because you're making you have you get paid by how many you make and this is going to slow you down, but keep you safe. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so they do eventually find out about what's happening in New Jersey that we're talking about. Um, But the company is like, no, no, no. The radium is safe. The girls in New Jersey um, have viral infections. There's some sort of like epidemic. They're just sick. Mm -hmm. We promise you it's safe and everybody returned to work as usual. And this Mm -hmm. um, luminous processes continued producing fluorescent watch dials using radium until 1978. And just moved on with their lives. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's there's kind of not the, as much litigation with them, I don't think, right? No, there's not litigation. That's just like the corollary story. So, like, why, while all this stuff you're about to talk about is happening, yeah. they're over here, like, questioning it and kind of knowing it's an issue and completely getting away with it. So, where we said before, like, this is a really crappy thing that happened, but it led to good changes. Yeah. It's, like, very Actually, precarious that it even did because it could have been like this company that just moved on yeah and i even brought this up to eric um because he asked what we were recording about today and when i told him he was like oh that's a pretty well-known story especially in terms of because he does human resources oh yeah he's like this is all kinds of like osha work yeah labor law yeah he's like none of that shit existed really until this specific thing Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna tell y'all why so this is your second trigger warning that it's going to get extremely gross. I tried to keep it as gross as I could because I know some people like that. But I also Me. tried to, like, make it sound prettier because <laughs> there's just a lot of really horrifying stuff that this is 1,000% going to give me nightmares. Mostly because body stuff like this freaks me out. I can talk about, like, dead bodies, but when this shit is happening to live people, I'm unwell. Okay, so. See, I mean, I don't like it. I don't want it to happen to me or to see it, but I'm fascinated by it. Well, okay, Sarah's fucking text to me when I said, I'm literally going to read it. I literally said, um, we have lots of really gross stuff when it comes to radium poisoning. I said, it's dot, 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 horrifying. She goes, I know, period. It's great, period. It's interesting. I was like, damn, girl, I'm just so glad you're my co-host because I was like, she's going to totally appreciate this. It's not great that it happened, but I want to know about it. No, it is really cool. Okay, so in 1922, Molly Maggia, who is one of Grace Fryer's colleagues that we mentioned earlier, was forced to quit pretty early on into the year um, because she got really sick and her symptoms started with an aching tooth. So she went to the dentist, which I can't fucking imagine a 1920s dentist experience because I can barely handle a 2021 dentist experience. So like bless these people for going to the dentist in the first place. My microphone is falling over. Fair. I don't think it wants me to talk about what I'm about to talk about. Okay. It's fine. It did like a little droopy thing, like a little bloop. It like got soft on me. Okay. (laughs) No, thank you. I don't want to hear this. Okay. So like I said, she went to the dentist and the dentist was like, oh yeah, I'm going to pull this tooth. It's rotting. And then the next tooth started hurting pretty much immediately. And then that also had to be removed. So over the course of what I understood to be several days, if not weeks, the empty spot where her teeth were began to get filled with these ulcers that were like like cropping mm. up like flowers would, right? So like they were red and yellow. Like and the they roses were just, in your cheeks? Like the roses in your fucking cheeks. Exactly. Except it's in your gums. And these 
roses, quote unquote, were filled with blood and pus and they would constantly leak. And so like they actually caused her to have not just extreme pain, but like her breath was absolutely terrible. And people were like, Molly, like you're unwell. And she knew that she was unwell, but she didn't really understand what was happening. Well, I'm wondering that too, because she went to um, her doctor because she started to experience pain in her like limbs. um, And she basically couldn't walk after like a couple, this happened in a matter of like literally weeks. So she goes to the doctor and the doctor thinks it's rheumatism, which is... That's basically like arthritis, I think, right? What yeah, is it's rheumatism? like, I think, inflammation in the joint. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. So he basically thinks that she has rheumatism and he gives her aspirin and he sends her home. Fucking aspirin. I literally wrote aspirin in like all caps because <laughs> I cannot fucking fathom aspirin. anything less effective for fucking radiation poisoning. And I'm yelling and I know this is <laughs> echoing in my house, but like, are you kidding me? I can watch the little lights going up and down. Here, here's some (laughs) fucking aspirin. I just pulled my mic again. It doesn't want to hear it. Okay, so so by May of that year, Molly has lost most of her teeth and, okay, and quote, her entire lower jaw, the roof of her mouth, and even some of the bones of her ears were said to be one large abscess. Okay, see, I didn't read ahead, and I thought she had lost the roof of her mouth, and I was going to ask how that happens, but I'm with you now. Oh, no, no. She'll lose part of her mouth. This, That's what's coming next. Right. It's, but I was just oh, trying to imagine how you, like, no longer had a roof of your mouth. We're good. I mean, I guess, like, is the roof of your mouth a, a bone? I don't know. I'm, like, touching it. Right? It feels like it could be. But no, but it's like a No, palette. your teeth are. Because think of a skeleton, right? The teeth are there. Like a skull. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to Google it because I'm probably just going to vomit on air. So probably Fair. not a good idea. Anyway. Okay. So she goes back to the dentist. The dentist doesn't know what the fuck's going on. And so he like yeah. gently prods at her jawbone to be like, what's going on? Like, where does it hurt? You know, when you go to the doctor, like, okay, tell me. Yeah. If this hurts. And they just like. Her jawbone literally breaks in his fingers while he's like and it's not like he's like grabbing her jaw and like twisting it he's literally like just gently touching it like just let me know when it hurts and her jawbone just fucking shatters he removes it like right then and there quote not by an operation but merely by putting his fingers in her mouth and lifting it out quote days later her entire lower jaw is fucking removed in the exact same way i don't understand Okay, like I'm not, I'm laughing because I'm uncomfortable, but I'm trying to figure out what that looks like. And I'm too afraid to look it up. But I, yeah, I imagine, like, is it like your, like, is her skin also gone? Like, does she not have a lower half of her face? Or is the jaw gone and her face is kind of just like, yeah, I think the bottom of your face would just be like, like soft skin. Okay, like just hanging man born without a jaw. Oh my god! Yeah, it, is it really graphic? It, I want to look at it, but I don't no, want to see it. No, it's not really graphic. I'll send you the Man. image. Okay, because yeah, this yeah. is this is a picture of someone born without their lower jaw, so it's not okay. like gross. Um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Just this is what he looks like with no lower jaw present. I just put okay. it in the chat. Okay, cool. Because I feel like there's got to be something gross about it, right? But like, I just can't imagine. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure being born without your jaw is different than like my jaw fell off into my hands, but. Right, right. Exactly. Okay. Hold on. Let me click on this link. She just, oh shit. Okay. 
Yeah. So it's just oh, like, it look, almost looks like the mouth. jaws. Okay. It almost looks like the jaws much higher up than where we would okay. think about it. Which makes a lot of sense. So that's probably yeah. what it was. It was probably similar. Okay. Thank you all for taking so, that visual journey with us. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I'll figure out something to post. Yeah. I don't want to like, but I want people to see this because seeing it is also part of the experience of right, the story. Right. Like, makes like, it real. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm not we'll even like halfway like, the through her poor story. It still shows stuff. It's fine. Yeah. And some of them We're might stalling. be, so like I said, we'll put it at the end, but. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I just had to burp, so I had to beat myself. I had pizza for lunch, and now I'm regretting Fair. it. Because I'm almost 30, and my body is betraying me, so. Yeah. I can't eat, like, sauce anymore. <sighs> Fucking ridiculous. Anyway. <clears throat> so her entire lower jaw is gone, right? Yeah, that's where we are. Okay. Yep, on September 12th, at. 1922, I'm imagining this shit starts happening to her in, like, early 1922, and by May, she's lost her lower jaw, and now by September... It's going to just, this yeah. is going to be it for her. So the infection had spread to her throat and it started to slowly eat away at her jugular vein. At 5 p.m. that evening, her mouth completely floods with blood and her nurses are unable to stop the hemorrhaging. And from what I understand, she basically chokes on her own blood and dies. Jesus. She's 24 years old. 20 fucking four years That's old. Crazy. Her doctors like literally had no idea what the fuck happened to her. Like how rapidly it had like come yeah. on and how quickly she deteriorated like fucking literally and so as a result they said that she died of syphilis and they put it on her death certificate mm. and that death is going cool. to be a huge part of the company's case against the women because right. syphilis is the sexually transmitted disease and so it basically screwed molly's reputation as being like a quote-unquote good right girl like and moralized right like oh if she wasn't such a whore she wouldn't have gotten syphilis and lost her yeah. lower jaw like yeah so right similar stories started to become more of a reality and one by one molly's former friends and colleagues started to become extremely ill really rapidly they had these horrifying undiagnosable illnesses and the USRC, the United States Radium Corporation, denied any and all responsibility for pretty much two years. Even though in those two years, more and more people got sick, died, were unable to work anymore, and just literally they had no way to support themselves because they couldn't physically handle any job. And so in 1924, the company is finally like, all right, fine. Stop your bitching. We're going to conduct a survey. We're going to conduct a study because there was a lot of gossip surrounding them and they wanted it to look better for them in the press. So they conducted an independent study. They actually were like, we're going to do like a third party that's going to experiment and see what happens. If they can basically, quote unquote, link this back to radium and the girls. And the study came back positive, actually. And the study was like, yeah, it is confirmed. And the Shocking. president of the firm was fucking furious. He had like a fucking man tantrum. And fun <laughs> man story about man tantrum, by the way, I typed in man tantrum without a dash. And Okay. I didn't get corrected. I think man tantrum might be a real fucking word. Good. It should be so, a word. Yeah. So he has a man tantrum and he pays for new studies. And surprise, surprise, those new studies that he pays for publishes the opposite. Like, no, oh. there's no connection between radium and ingesting it and dying horrific fucking deaths. Quote, he also lied to the Department of Labor, which had begun investigating about the verdict of the original report. Publicly, he denounced the women as trying to palm off their illnesses on the firm and decried their attempts to get some financial help for their mounting medical bills, quote. 
I don't think there was anything like health insurance at this point either. Like, not that we have good health insurance now, but it wasn't. I it wasn't like employer based. You know, like I don't think it was anything like that where they had to provide benefits. No, I don't think there was any requirement for that. I think it was literally yeah. like if you can pay, you go to the doctor. If you can't, you yeah, don't go to the doctor, and your jaw fucking falls out. So, right. Um. So the biggest challenge for the women is going to be proving the link between their illnesses and the radium that they've been ingesting literally hundreds of times a day because they're fighting not just what the companies are putting out, but also what society is being led to believe by the companies. So because there were widespread examples of people ingesting um, the radium in some capacity, they figured that it was just the girls making shit up and they were just, you know, it was like a small collection of just a couple dozen people at a time And it seemed like a little fishy, especially because they all knew each other, too. So it wasn't (laughs) this is my favorite fucking thing I read the whole time. It wasn't until (laughs) the first male employee died that people were like, oh, shit, there might be something wrong here. And Uh, reading that statement shouldn't have surprised me. And it didn't surprise me. But it's such bullshit. So once the first man died. In 1925, a man named Dr. Harrison Martland created these tests that were basically somehow able to prove that the radium had, in fact, been poisoning the women this entire time. He explained that when radium was used internally. Whoa. It's like, holy shit. What? The damage is not going to just be worse. Yeah. (laughs) If anybody didn't see that coming, you're welcome for that really big fucking red herring. It was the radium the whole time. (laughs) Um, So he explained that. When people ingested the radium, the damage was literally thousands of times greater than if you had just been outwardly exposed to it. So he went on to discover that the radium had started to settle in the women's bodies and were, quote, now emitting constant destructive radiation that honeycombed their bones, which (sighs) I get that. Like, um, what's that thing where, like, you don't like the honeycomb pattern? Trictophobia. Tryptophobia? Oh, Yeah yeah tryptophobia something like that yes so i'm getting not only the gross vibes of my bones deteriorating inside my fucking body but also now i'm picturing the tryptophobia so it was burning them literally burning holes in their body inside of them while they were still alive um grace fryer who we talked about earlier her spine was crushed she needed a steel back brace in order to sit up and just like function uh another girl's jaw was quote eaten away to a mere stump before her leg shortened and then randomly fractured at like any given point and the damaged bones started to begin to glow from the radium and there were times that women didn't even know they had the radiation poisoning until they like I don't know, got up in the middle of the night to go pee, looked at themselves in the mirror and saw that their whole fucking face and neck or arms and legs were glowing. And that was the indication that the radiation had gotten bad enough that it was about to get even worse. So I'm going to hand it back over to you. But basically, the challenge is going to be them having to prove that link and now deal with the company, right, that, like, doesn't give a flying fuck. Yep. So... In New Jersey, the story of what's happening here, it it's kind of unusual for the time because it gets so much coverage in the media, especially once they get into litigation. So there, it's not that there weren't other cases of workplace abuse at the time. There were plenty. But this one oh, yeah. kind of goes like 1922 viral, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. And so Grace Fryer, who we talked about, decides to sue but it actually takes two years for her to even find a lawyer 
who's willing to represent the case. So in addition to that two years, the litigation process itself is like extremely slow. Um, most of that is because the part of the defense, their strategy is to basically stall because the longer they stall, the more of the girls mm-hmm. die. And so, that, so so they don't have to pay it up. out to them. Like if they're settling, they don't have, you know, so they're stalling and the litigation's going really slow and they don't actually appear in court until January of 1928. By that time, wow, whoever's still living is like extremely fragile. So one of the big things yeah. is none of them could raise their arms to take the oath. They like can't physically pick their hand up to take the oh oath my in God. court. Um, some of them are bedridden and are like oh. in court in bed. It's a whole thing. There's five girls who That's officially are the plaintiff in the suit. Um, so it's Grace Fryer, a girl named Edna Hussman, Catherine Schaub, and then a set of sisters named Quinta McDonald and Albina Larice. And so that's sort of when people say the radium girls, they're talking about the five plaintiffs mm-hmm. in the case, even though it was much more widespread than that. Each of them is asking right. in the case for $250,000 as compensation. Um, I did go to the handy inflation calculator. So that's about $3.7 million each today. Um, and so that's their mm-hmm. ask. Again, there's a huge media sensation around the case. And ultimately, this is going to lead to a number of legal precedents and um, enactments of a bunch of different regulations, labor safety standards. There's a term called provable suffering that's used in a lot of a lot of legal situations, particularly things like work, workers' comp um, and things having to do with physical injury at work. And so this concept of provable right. suffering is said to have like originated during this case. They do what a and, fucking term. Right? Provable suffering. Like, prove to me that you're suffering because of this job. <laughs> right? Like, prove what? it. Um, they do end up wow. having to close down the Orange facility in 1927. As a result of all the bad press and all the legal fees and probably all their workers dying. I don't know. But they end up in 1928 settling out of court. So their lawyer and all Mm -hmm. five girls agree to a settlement um, just days before they were going to go to trial. Each girl received $10,000 and an additional $600 per year until death. In addition to that. I have the equivalents actually. Oh, good. Because I forgot to do it here. So 10,000 10, is $149,000 in today's money. Okay. And you said $600 per year annuity, yep. right? So that's mm-hmm. $8,900. And then I saw something about $12 a week, which is about $200. So that's probably, they also agreed to pay medical and legal expenses. So there was probably like stipends okay. for that. So they paid okay, both back medical expenses and legal expenses and all future medical expenses. And not only is that like obviously way less money than they were asking for, which I know is what a settlement is, but it's like way yeah. less. But it also all is set yeah. to expire upon their death and they're all going to die soon. Right. Like these are not people Ugh, who are going to live to be yeah. 90. Like <laughs> they're not right. in the best health. Right. Right. And like so, they're literally the only reason they settled was because they were dying. Right. Like they right, literally like, were. Yeah. We'll pay you $600 yeah. a year till you die. And actually within, I think um, I have it somewhere within a few months of the lawsuit, all of them were dead. Like most of them didn't make it a year. So do you know if 
like, was there any, and I might be getting ahead of myself slash you, but was there any thing for people in the future? Like, did people so, sue in the future or was it really just these five women? So it seemed, these One, two, were the three, five, five ones yeah. who sued like U.S. Radium Corporation. It leads okay. to a lot of other kind of workplace lawsuits, right? People realizing like, oh, hey, if your work is literally that bad for you, you can sue. Um, right, right. But in terms of the radium poisoning for like this particular job, I didn't find anything else except that radium dial company that basically nothing happened. Um, right. So it sets a lot of precedents in general, but these are the only women who seem to really be compensated for this particular issue. Wow. Their lawyer was like very vocally unhappy with the outcome, said he didn't think they got what they deserved. And he later was basically like, mm -hmm. you all know the judge was a stockholder in U.S. Radium Corporation, right? <laughs> what the fuck? Like, I don't oh know. Oh, my guess... God. Uh... Right. Which is part of why a lot How of- How is this shit allowed? I don't know. And that's why a lot of the times the judge was like, yeah, we can stall. Yeah, we'll just wait. Right? And so, like, there was a time in April- where they got, they convinced the judge to wait until September because, quote, many of their witnesses were going to Europe for the summer. <laughs> I don't think my eyes can physically roll further back in my fucking right, head than like, they already are right now. Okay. And That's so, so infuriating. So, yeah, it, like, honestly, the trial itself is really anticlimactic. They just settle out of court for, like, very little money. All the girls die and they move on. But in the immediate aftermath of the settlement, it's still seen as a win, right? Like, people who have spent their whole lives, like, well, you just die from your work. That's normal. Like, they're realizing they can do something. So there's... <laughs> the American way. Yeah. So there's an organization called the National Consumers League. And they launch a bunch of investigations of other dial painting sites, like, all over the country. They have okay. medical examiners from New York and New Jersey meet with them. They call a general conference on radium factory safety standards. Um, so they propose basically like okay. a, a code of conduct kind of. Um, and ultimately the U.S. Surgeon General at the time kind of comes and works on these committees with them. So there's one committee set up to investigate existing conditions in um, these factories and there's a second that is set up okay. to recommend the best known means of protection for workers. So they do start oh, wow. making changes, right? It doesn't, a lot of the people who have already suffered from this aren't going to get compensation, but they kind of immediately kick into high gear right. trying to make it better. And so at dial mm -hmm. painting factories around the country, the, the lip dip paint is quietly and discreetly ended. So they kind of just like, hey, we're going to do it a different way now without making a big deal about it and yeah. and move on it's like there a meeting that could have been an email yeah <laughs> there are people that begin seeking compensation primarily by asking for benefits right so in illinois people start asking for help with medical and dental bills they're refused immediately oh, okay um but there are of sick course. and dying former employees who are requesting money primarily medical expense money um they don't sue in the mm. same way Right. So that's why it's not quite the same. But they are saying, hey, you should right. probably like pay for my dental bill for him to take my jaw out or whatever. Like there is then a suit oh before the Illinois Industrial Commission in the mid 30s. And so, again, five women find an attorney named Leonard Grossman that would represent them in front of the commission. But by the time all this happens mm -hmm. and they 
find a lawyer and get ready, Radium Dial had closed and moved to another state. So it's no longer subject to Illinois. It's open somewhere else. They just keep going. Um, this commission, the, the Illinois, yeah, the Illinois Industrial Commission did retain a $10,000 deposit that Radium Dial had left when it disclosed to them that they couldn't find insurance to cover the cost of seeking legal counsel, basically. They were like, yeah, we can't afford that. Here's $10,000. Bye. Um, the IIC yeah. did rule in favor of the women, oh my God. but it didn't get them much. The attorneys who were representing Radium Dial, like, continued appealing. They really wanted the verdict overturned, even though Radium Dial didn't have to provide any money. They really didn't want it on record that they were in the wrong. And they actually took the case to the Supreme Court. But in 1939, the Supreme Court was like, no, we're not listening to you, and upheld the lower ruling. And by the <laughs> yeah. end of everything... And also there's, like, other shit happening. <laughs> yeah. By the end of everything, the case had been won eight times against Radium Dial before they were finally forced to pay some form of compensation and, like, stop appealing. Wow. So that That's was kind of the, the litigation process and the aftermath of that. Um, I had just like one fun note. I found a thing about the last living radium girls. Oh, and so yeah. in 2014, there was a woman named May Keen who died and she had worked okay. at a factory, the factory in Connecticut, but she says she went in her first day and did not like the taste of the paint, obviously. She said it was gritty mm -hmm. and she complained a bunch and her boss was like, do you want to just quit? And she was like, yeah, that'd be good. And so she only worked for a couple <laughs> days, but she did ingest some radium <laughs> and she died in right. 2014 at the age of 107. Um, Holy and then shit. Actually, wait, 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 wait. wait. Yeah. What if, what if this is what they were talking about? Oh, like, like what if they're small like amount. the most minuscule amounts of like, cause she only ingested a small amount. She lived to 107. Everything we've just talked about is wrong. I mean, not actually. You know actually, what? That's like, crazy. Holy shit. So that article initially ran in 2014 as the oldest living radium girl dies. Or like the okay. last. Or the last. Dude, don't living. tell me there's another fucking. Yes. Don't tell and me then there's they issued last, a correction. And they were like, <laughs> wait, there's a woman named Mabel Williams who she died the next year in 2015 at the age of 105 after a short stint at the factory. Wow. So maybe we solved it. Dude, that's it. This is, yeah, we kind of just did like a conspiracy theory without even doing a conspiracy yeah. theory. If you only work there for oh God, that's a couple crazy. days, then like, like three days, it's good. Minuscule amounts, and that's it. Wow. Yeah. And because the thing I saw about Mabel is she worked there a little bit, she worked there like a little bit longer. But she didn't, um, she said she didn't think it was a good idea. So she stopped using her mouth, right? She, oh. she found some other way to do it and do it probably a little slower. But her right. husband often said that at night he would see but, specks like, glowing it? in her hair, like the paint he would see. Oh my God. That's insane. Right? Holy shit. Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. That's so cool though, that there are people that were ever that old. Yeah. But I'm, a, I don't want to be that old, please. I don't yeah, like no. It. No. Like, I'd rather live to like a really solid 75 or 80 than like a really I, miserable 95. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, if I hit 80, I'm out. I feel like that's I'm similar. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I just don't like But being like good for you, Mabel. <laughs> yeah, I just 
It's incredible. Mm-mm. No, I'm good. I'm also, I have this theory uh, that you're her. either really good with, I have a theory you're either really good with babies and children or really good with old people and not both. Like, I feel like everyone's mm-hmm. only good with one. Okay. And I'm not an old people person. Yeah. I can do a baby, but I'm not, I'm not the best at the elderly. How do you know if you're an old people person? I don't know. Do you enjoy hanging out with old people? Like, I don't know if I... Like, would you rather, if you have to do community service for the day, okay, you have to do community service for the day, would you rather go work at the infant room Mm -hmm. in a daycare or go to a nursing home and play bingo with them? Okay, so my uterus is saying babies. (laughs) Exactly, right. But my competitive side, but my competitive side is saying bingo. Okay, it's not about the bingo, though. It's about the company. It's about the old people. Right. All right, so it's probably babies because I think seeing... This is so fucked up. I'm going to get canceled right now. Uh, this is my cancel moment. Is <laughs> there's something innately terrifying it, about it. old people? That's it. I think okay, there's something no, innately I... terrifying about old people. No, same. I don't like really old people. And I don't mean like 50. I mean like elderly people. Dude, if 50's old, like, I'm fucked. Like, not that I'm even close to 50. Right, but, but some people saying. are like, well, I'm old. And I'm like, no, no. I mean, like, Mabel, who was 105 over here. Like, the lady from Titanic always scared the shit out of me. Mm, yeah. Like, I could no. see through her skin. I don't want that. Yeah. I don't want I'm... to see inside people's bodies. On the same page. Okay. Yep. All right. So then I guess it's a baby for me. Okay. Fun fact. Eric and I, as I was doing my last minute research, he's like, oh, my God, that's our neighbor's kid. And I was like, what? And so <laughs> this is how fucking awful it's been. So it's coming on the one year anniversary of just COVID lockdown shit. And the yeah. last time I saw this dad, his wife was pregnant. And now the baby's <laughs> walking. And Eric and I were looking at each other oh and I was like, holy shit, time has literally no meaning anymore. But then I saw the yeah. baby and I was like, oh, babies. Okay. All right. Last little bit. Fair. Like, why does <laughs> why does this matter? What was the good of this really miserable situation? So a couple other symptoms that right. came up were things like cancerous bone tumors. <laughs> really, I just jumped right into that. Uh, also cards called mm-hmm. sarcomas, which I did not know what a sarcoma was until I read this sta- uh, statement. In some cases, they could literally grow anywhere on their bodies. Some people got them in their jaws. Some people got them in their pelvic areas, which I can't fucking picture what's worse. Uh, and the tumors could be That's larger. Crazy. Than- well, because I get like in the mouth, the mouth is where the paintbrush is going, right? So that seems yeah. like the logical first place. Mm-hmm. But to be ingesting it by mouth and it's like your pelvis. Right. Yeah. Well, because it's just literally seeping into your bones, which is. Yeah. You mentioned this like in 1938, the fight kind of continued. A woman named Catherine Wolf had, quote, developed a grapefruit sized tumor that bulged on her hip. Um, She lost her teeth and had to pick pieces of her. Oh, God. Well, I forgot I was reading this. She lost her teeth and had to pick pieces of her (gasps) jawbone out of her mouth. She constantly held a patterned handkerchief to her jaw to absorb the ever seeping pus, quote. Oh, that was way harder to read than I, I forgot what sentence I was getting myself into. Ever seeping pus. <sighs> My new drag Ever name. seeping pus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, God. That's, a, that's the worst. Oh, no. <laughs> that's not funny. It's so cool. Oh, my God. Oh, the word pus it's also freaks me out. 
Okay, so Catherine started her fight for justice in the mid-1930s, like you mentioned. Um, And she was actually one of the um, women who had worked with Leonard Grossman. And she had won justice. But I just feel like I wanted to mention her because she was in a little bit of a later situation. She was in a different part of the country. Uh, So, like I said, why does this historically matter? Why does this scientifically matter? So, historically... This matters because this is what essentially helped establish the right of individual workers to sue their employer for damages from corporations due to labor abuse. That hadn't really existed before. And like I said, um, my husband, who does HR, said this was a really big part of like workman's comp. And in this situation, all medical and legal expenses would be paid by the company on behalf of the women uh the publicity of the lawsuit and probably the suit itself was also a major factor in establishing occupational disease labor law which i don't know if i understand what that means i think it i don't know to me it just means like laws about diseases you would get from working from working that's what i guess i think like yeah i think not as bestest mesothelioma is what i think yes, of. it was like late night that's commercials what it is. where it's like yes, did you inhale mesothelioma at work asbestos is yes. one too though um yeah because i always think of old movie stars got sick from asbestos because that's how they made snow in movies mm-hmm. and so that would fall under like occupational disease labor law i would think well i think of see for me my first thought is actually 9-11 survivors and uh, first yeah, responders. That's, that's probably like, better than me. I like, am. did you know that in the, in the Wizard of Oz, they used asbestos as the <laughs> No, but like that's still that still is considered a workplace like occupational yeah. disease. But like you have you ever read the stuff think... about the Wizard of Oz set? Because it is fucked up. No, but I'd love to fucking do they, an episode like, on that. That actually I will send sick. you. They like all fucking almost died because it was like the green paint for the witch was poisonous so she couldn't eat while she was in it because she couldn't ingest it and one time her trap door didn't open and she caught on fire and they had to not film for like five weeks while all her burns healed and like the one guy had to quit there was someone else that was the tin man but his skin couldn't handle the silver paint it was like giving him a reaction so they had to hire someone like everything about that movie is fucking wild but anyway i got distracted Wow. See, the weird thing I know about that movie is <laughs> this is now a Wizard of Oz podcast, everyone. Yep. Is there were only seven Technicolor cameras in the whole fucking world. Yeah. And they were being fought between Gone with the Wind and The Wizard of Oz, which ended up being directed by the same director because the original director got fired for some bullshit reason. Okay. Anyway. The funniest thing, though, last I swear. <laughs> so they're over here like. Painting what's her name with green paint that like she can't lick her lips in or she'll die. Right. But all you know the horses of many colors. Mm-hmm. They used Kool Aid because they didn't want the horses to lick themselves and ingest anything bad. So they just used Kool Aid on the horses. <laughs> oh my god! But 1930s Kool Aid that might also be like asbestos. I mean, fair <laughs> enough. But there was like an intentional like, well, we don't want them to lick poison off themselves. Oh my god. Meanwhile, they're like injecting Judy fucking Garland with like quaaludes so she could sleep and then fucking stimulants so that she could film for 24 right. hours straight. Oh my god, how did we get off on this? Anyway, okay, so <laughs> I don't know. Um oh. Occupational disease labor law. Of course. Yes. Or odd Oz. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what just happened to me. Uh so following this event. 
the radium dial painting was still a job, like you said, and they actually, like you said, used it up until the 1970s. And they used it 78 was the last one. But they did stop shaping paintbrushes with so, their yeah. mouths. Um, and all painters were now instructed in proper safety precautions and were given protective gear in order to complete their job. What a time to be alive is literally what I wrote. Uh, so scientifically, we this is actually... Alive. Right, no. We were not <laughs> alive in the 1970s. No. So this is actually scientifically weirdly interesting because this was the first time that they could successfully measure consumed radium so the first measurements of exhaled yeah. radon and radium excretion from a former dial painter was measured by a man named robley d evans rob rob robley robley robably it's robably robley d evans in 1930 no <laughs> Jesus. Uh, who worked at MIT, he gathered various dependable body content measurements from 27 different dial painters. And in 1941, the information that he gathered was used by the National Bureau of Standards to establish the tolerance level for radium, which if anyone's interested in knowing what the human body can tolerate of radium, the answer is 0.1 curies. I don't know what that means, but... Now you know. I was going to say, do we have any point of reference for how much a curie is? No. Well, I don't know. How much is a... How much is a... How much is a curie? I don't know. Oh, no. The equivalents are not useful at all, even a little bit. 3.7 times 10 to the 10th radioactive. Okay. What the fuck? Radioactive decays per second. I just want to know, like, how many teaspoons it is. Yeah, like, me too. Like, is it, like, (laughs) one drop or two? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Like, I'm imagining those, like, do you remember when you were a kid when you got those, like, you either had the little cup of, like, amoxicillin that you had to drink the whole thing? Oh, yeah, like the little. Like, the the syringe, the plastic syringe that you just Mm -hmm. had to, like. My mom had to pin me down to take medication. I fucking hated it. She literally would have to, like, my grandma would have to, like, hold me down and they'd have to be like, just go. <laughs> just do it. It's so bad. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm on the wrong notes. I'm on your notes. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to <clears throat> safely consume radium, you can do that if you do 0.1 curies. Uh, don't blame us, though, if something happens to you. Um, in 1968, if, if when. <laughs> When something happens to you. Uh, in 1968, yeah, the Center for Human Radiation. When something happens. <laughs> Disclaimer. Do not consume radium. I don't even know how the fuck you'd get your hands on it. But <sighs> if you can, do not do it. Okay. Yeah, we're almost can you done. buy radium? I don't think so. Again, I f- how do we keep Where coming back to radioactive? Radium? Dude, you're going to totally show up on some type of FBI. Um, I'm on my work computer. Oh, that's right. How to purchase radium. What does it say? Oh, um, hold on. I'm looking at a, a thread of where oh, I you can, can buy radium paint. Are you on Quora? You have to be a qualified buyer. Yep. That's bullshit. If you're a qualified buyer, you can buy it through the Department of Energy. They sell radium isotopes. Oh. But you have to have, like, a business reason. I mean, we've done, like, four episodes on it. So, I mean. That's true. I think we could probably qualify at this point. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I'm sure you can buy it on the dark web, whatever the dark web is. How do you get to the dark web? I don't know. Do you just Google dark web? You know what? We'll do an episode on that too. Okay, so okay. Um, I'm like last five bullet points. So if, yep. <laughs> in 1968, the Center for Human Radiobiology was established at Argonne National Laboratory. The first time I read this, I thought it said Arbonne, which is my first and only experience with MLM. 
Uh, so jokes on me. I thought it literally was like the Arbonne National Laboratory. Uh, the entire point of the center was literally to provide medical examinations for any still living dial painters. And the project literally collected information stories and sometimes tissue samples from the painters themselves. So I'm assuming that these people were not the ones that were like highly impacted by it, um, but maybe just like moderately so because this was what the 60s and the dial painting in terms of human ingestion had ended by like the late 1930s. So like 30 years later or earlier, I guess. Um, so by the time the project ended in 1993, there were 2,403 cases detailed, which then led to a book about the effects of radium on humans. And their findings, if you're interested, is that radium-226 is less harmful for people to be exposed to than radium-228, which is more likely to cause cancer of the bones. And I don't know what any of that means. I don't understand what 226 or 228 is, but I thought it was a really nice, nope. fun fact How many is to that? end on. I don't on. know. I don't know. It's there's all different types of radium and and 228's worse than 226. And that's what I have for the radium girls. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Can I just tell you 226 reminded me of a traumatic experience at work today, not really. <laughs> yes. We were on this call, like this big important call, right? It's like a demo for like this fancy company and <laughs> they asked how many companies we worked with or how many countries we worked in, right? Like what's our global presence? And okay. this man on the call said, the last I saw, we have presence in about 220 countries. <gasps> Casey, do you know oh, how many no. countries there are? There are 195. Right. So what are these other And 20- I Googled it because I was like, I, I did on the call. I was like, hold on. I don't think that. I was like, first <laughs> of all, we're not in every country anyway. Like, we're not in every country. Right. Plus 25 was- others. <laughs> like 30 others it was just like i was just sitting there like this we're on the phone with like a global company and they're probably like 220 (laughs) no we don't have that many yes that's all wow wow all right folks well thanks for that roller coaster (sighs) of an episode we talked about uh sarcomas we talked about Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. painting um how much radium you can safely ingest jaws disappearing Mm -hmm. so yeah thanks for listening we will catch you next week and don't consume radium okay (laughs) bye bye (laughs) (laughs) thank you for listening to what the history Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WTHistoryPod. If you'd like to email us, you can do that at WTHistoryPodcast at gmail.com, and we'd love to hear feedback or episode ideas or anything else you have to say. You can support us on Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash WTHistoryPodcast and get exclusive access to even more nerdy stuff. Don't forget to tune in every Thursday when new episodes are released, and we will see you next time.